And welcome to Crosstalk on the CGMRadio.com network, a show where we bring together the hosts of the CGM Radio Network to talk about the hottest, most pressing issues of the day and anything else that might be on our minds. With me, Bob Siegel from The Bob Siegel Show. Actually, he will be on shortly. He'll be chiming in. But the man who is with me right now, Jim Barrier with the, with the Since You Asked podcast. Jim, welcome back to Crosstalk. Good to be here. Awesome. And uh, we have very special guest today. So special that uh, when Bob told me, hey, I think I could get this guy on Crosstalk, my, my jaw about hit the floor, and I said, yes, please make it happen. And he did. And with us today, we're very grateful to have on Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper, welcome to Crosstalk. Grateful to be on your show. And um, as I said in the intro leading up to us going live, uh, I'm, I'm advertising the Copan truck stop from Northeast Oklahoma. Yeah. So sorry you, for that. You are. If you're traveling uh, through Northeast Oklahoma and you want the best, uh, are the restrooms clean? Really, that's that's all I care about. I, 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 I can't go there. Are you can't, okay, you can't. Uh, okay, you can't. Uh, neither neither restrooms, can, I won't comment. Confirm or deny the cleanliness of the restrooms of the Copan uh, truck stop in Northeast Oklahoma. Right. What I can guarantee you is that we do have male and female restrooms that are okay, uh, uh, you people know, up here understand the difference. I didn't realize that when Bob asked you on, he was going to be uh, inviting on such a hateful, bigoted individual. So I think we're just going to end crosstalk now. I'm just kidding. Just yeah. kidding. But it is very interesting. Did we? Was it not uh, overnight that you became the most evil person in history if you did not think that men should be able to go into women's restrooms? But... I digress, but I want to talk about Dr. Piper for just a second. He is the author of the national bestseller, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Piper served as president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University for 17 years, during which time he led his school from relative obscurity to a position of national recognition and influence. Piper presently serves as a contributing columnist columnist for the Washington Times, and we're going to lead off with a very, very important article he wrote in the Washington Times that he then became the subject of a, a major, major issue of, of censorship. And we're going to talk about censorship amongst uh, other things, including uh, Rittenhouse. We're going to talk about the Virginia election, critical race theory, uh, we're going to talk about uh, a very interesting Todd Starnes article about the, the law cabin Republicans and Trump and what, what went down, and I believe it was in Mar-a-Lago. But let me, uh, let me brag on uh, Dr. Piper another minute. Uh, his commentary on religion, education, leadership, and politics is featured in local and national media outlets coast-to-coast. Piper has been a guest show on several Fox shows. He's been, he's been all over the media. Uh, he was also the uh, 2016 recipient of the Gene Kirkpatrick Award for Academic Freedom. So we're very excited to have him on. His website is DrEverettPiper.com, DrEverettPiper.com. So be sure to check check that out. And of course, WashingtonTimes.com is where you're going to find his weekly columns. And it looks like we have with us the great, the esteemed, the his magnificence himself, Bob Siegel. Bob, you on? I am so sorry I'm late, gentlemen. Can you hear me okay? We can hear you just fine, sir. I could say that I lost track of the time, but I would be lying. So <laughs> I want to start that. this out with the truth. Don't say uh, that. Thank you for being so gracious. We don't want you to lie. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I, you're welcome. I've just been jabbering on talking about how uh, how awesome our guest is here. So, but uh, so Bob, we're gonna be we're gonna jump in 
we're going to jump into oh, also Dr. Piper how can uh, how can people follow you on uh, on social social media I think you're pretty prolific on there um my Twitter handle is Dr. Ever Piper so it's D R E V E R E T T P I P E R and Facebook I have two Facebook pages I have a personal one which is Everett Piper then I have the public personality one which is Dr. Everett Piper go to that one because the personal one is maxed out at the 5,000 friends, so you can follow me there, but I can't accept your friendship there because Facebook won't let me. Yeah. So, but, they, but they do allow unlimited followers on the public personality one. So go to Dr. Everett. Okay, and we'll, we'll put links to all that in the show notes of this podcast. So, uh, so let's, let's jump in. Uh, Dr. Piper, you know, one of the things that, uh, that Bob brought uh, – brought to my attention, really the, the reason that kind of this all kind of coalesced together to having you on a, on a crosstalk was a Washington Times article that you wrote that I've personally read this article multiple times. I think I've read it maybe two or three times now. And I, I'm trying to figure out why this article got censored. So if you would kind of walk us through kind of what, what happened, what's the article about and what was the backlash toward that article from Big Tech? Well, I've actually been censored twice now, so you may only be aware of the first one. Hey, so I want to make sure. Yeah, t- <laughs> I want to make sure I'm talking about the right article. Are you talking about the one that was on natural immunity? Uh, this was, or the- are you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, time to fight for your kids. Their souls are in the balance. Now, okay. So let's back up. Okay, so this is how bad the censorship issue is. This is how bad our digital book burners are. And that's really what they are. They're having bonfires. They're burning books because they just don't like the ideas that somebody wrote or somebody spoke or somebody expressed or somebody did on a podcast. So it's not that the facts don't care about your feelings, like Ben Shapiro says. Their feelings don't care about your facts. And if your facts make them feel bad, if it compromises their sense of safety, if you have intruded into their safe space, these poor little snowflakes are going to melt. And they used to be college students at Berkeley and Brown. But I said it back in 2015. They're going to graduate. They're going to get jobs. And they're going to take this cancel culture off the campus of Berkeley, and they're going to take it into the corporate boardroom. And lo and behold, what do we have today? We've got all these Berkeley graduates that are 25 years old with purple hair, nose rings, and tattoos across their forehead, and they're now sitting in some back room at Facebook telling you what you can read and what you can write. They're taking their cancel culture into the corporate world. And this is not anything to make light of. It's very, very serious. So back to my specific scenario. I wrote an article on natural immunity about a month ago. Now, you guys know as communicators that if you do something that starts to go viral, that's a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because all of a sudden you move from a thousand people reading what you say or listening to what you say to maybe a million reading or listening to what you say. My article titled Not a Daycare went viral. I had three and a half million people read that thing in two weeks, whereas normally I'd probably have three people reading something that I say within a two-week period. So it's very important to acknowledge the fact that in a digital media age, things go viral and it can impact the cultural conversation. I wrote an article for the Washington Times, probably the least controversial thing I've said in years. 
I basically cited the scientific evidence, the empirical data on natural immunity. I cited Japan, Israel, Sweden, Denmark. I cited our own New England Journal of Medicine. I cited facts. And guess what? A friend of mine from Tulsa saw this article the minute it went up on the Washington Times um, uh, uh, homepage. And the reason he saw it is because it started trending. And he texted me, he said, hey, did you see your article on natural immunity is trending? And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. So I pulled up my iPhone and I actually looked at it. And at the top of my news feed, my article was number one or two on the national trending list for that particular moment. And I'm thinking, yes, I've hit it out of the park again. I've got another article that people are going to read, not in the thousands, but in the hundreds of thousands, if not the millions. Guys, I'm telling you, I literally, and I'm, this is not hyperbole, I turned away from my iPhone to check something, and I no more than five seconds later turned back, my article was gone. It was gone. And it didn't go from number one, two, three, five, fifteen, and drift off the list. It went from the top of the list. It was gone. I contacted the Washington Times. I said, what's up? They said, every article, every column, every story that we have published on natural immunity has been shadow banned. You've been shadow banned. Now stop and think about that. Yeah. I didn't say anything against LGBTQIA, SJW, BLM, CRT, any of the stuff that we need to talk about today, stuff that really matters. What I said is natural immunity is a good thing and we should attend to it. That's what I said. I have it. I've had COVID. My natural immunity is out the roof. My doctor says I should be selling my blood because I have so high of a count of antibodies. So I can't say that? Well, apparently the Facebook book burners don't think I should. That's one story that you weren't aware of. Now, my other story, and I'm going to be brief because I'm, I'm, I'm blabbering too long. My no, other please. story I wrote on education, which is my expertise. And I basically said, look, Terry McAuliffe is telling you he's coming after your kids. He's coming after your kids. You have no place in the curriculum, in the discussion of what your kids are taught. The National School Board Association is saying the exact same thing. They're labeling you a domestic terrorist if you disagree. In fact, if you're a father who thinks that your daughter shouldn't be raped in the school bathroom by a boy who's pretending to be a girl, and you go to the school board and complain about this, you're the problem. And if you're a girl who says, I don't like boys in my restroom, in my locker room, I don't like males stealing female sports, you're the problem. I wrote an article on that, and I was taken down. I was banned because I dared to defend the dignity of the female and suggest that you can't be a feminist if, a feminine, if the feminine doesn't exist. If a female isn't a fact, you can't be a feminist. And Title IX is a joke if women aren't real. Guess what, guys? Women are a fact. They're not a fabrication. They're not a fantasy. Women are real. They're not leprechauns. They're not unicorns. They actually do exist. And it's the conservative today who's actually suggesting that women should be defended. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all pretty grateful that women exist, right? I mean, none of us would exist without them, right? So, uh, and it's it's truly remarkable. I don't know, Ryan. That was a very homophobic comment. Y you you know what? Made. I bet it was. It was probably. I bet it was offensive to well, any gay person listening that you were saying you were grateful that you're well, attracted to well, women. And here's the thing: they remember believe all women, like yeah. they believe women exist when 
it's useful to them. Of course, we know that right. it only means believe all women who accuse Republicans. But it, it's the the ideology is so messed up and jacked up that you know I don't there's there's no any kind of consistent worldview at all because you as you mentioned Dr. Piper I mean we, it, it, there's a there's a or maybe this was in the pre-show but just the the atheistic the humanistic worldview it's just it's just there's no consistency to it. It's just a jumbled, uh, jumbled quasi reality. But uh, Jim or Bob, I don't know if either of you guys want to comment on. Well, I know that Dr. Piper has been censored quite a bit of times now. I've had him on my radio show. We've talked about some of the ones in the past. We talked about that first article. Dr. Piper is a good guy. And I think I owe it to him to give him some advice on how he can start getting past the fact checkers and continue to trend. So you might want to write this down, Everett. You need to just stop telling the truth. Basically anything that's true today is going to be removed. It's a war against the truth. It was predicted in the Bible. Isaiah five woe to those who call good evil and evil good yeah who call darkness light and light darkness so just quit telling the truth and your articles will be just fine i felt i owed you that advice (laughs) thanks i appreciate your advice it's very helpful (laughs) and you know what i actually got a hold of some facebook there's a good part to this story um i by god's grace i have been introduced to the christian liaison at Facebook, who has been put on their review team to help us communicate with them if we feel we've been treated unjustly. So I talked to this guy and I said, what's going on? And I explained the story to him. He said, let me check into this. This doesn't doesn't seem right. You know what he said? He came back to me. He said, well, in your article, you quoted Joseph Goebbels. I said, yeah, that's because Hitler's minister of propaganda essentially said the exact same thing that Terry McAuliffe is saying and the National School Board Association is saying. Hitler's minister of propaganda said, give me your youth and we will not return them to you. Okay, doesn't that sound like what Terry McAuliffe is saying? You have no business in the school, parents. We are in charge. These are our students, not yours. So I compared McAuliffe and Obama, the National School Board Association, the American Teachers Federation, I compared their quotes to Goebbels. Not in a positive way. This is a negative critique. I'm not elevating a Nazi. I am saying it's a, something we should attend to, and we should be very frightened by the fact that our leadership is parroting Joseph Goebbels. And do you know why my article got banned? It's because I quoted Goebbels. That's pretty thin. I, it was uh, now. What did I quoted the, the now? Truth. What did when? I'm curious. What did this Facebook fact checker Christian liaison guy say when you explained that to him? He he took care of it. I was back on the next day. Ah. that's a good part of the story. Was it because of an algorithm then that they yes. picked up the name? That, okay, that's I didn't what he to me that even even when people are just speaking the truth without mentioning a name like Goebbels, they're still getting fact checked though. Oh, absolutely. But I'll, I'll take a spoonful of humility here. I don't think I'm a big enough deal for some real person at Facebook to be reading my stuff and saying, we don't like what Piper's saying. Let's follow Piper this week and make sure Piper doesn't say anything that we don't like. I think now there may be people out there that are much bigger deal than I am, that they actually do read the material and they do watch them. 
uh, maybe Josh Hawley, uh, the, the Republican senator from Missouri, maybe he's one of those. But I think I triggered their algorithm. But that's, it, that doesn't make it right. In fact, that makes it even more frightening because they mm -hmm. actually have programmed an algorithm so that I can't quote a historical figure in the negative. And the answer is yes, that's what they have. Yeah, and what kind of proved your point, didn't it? <laughs> you know. Well, what's what's yeah. ironic about all this is you can go to eBay, and I just while you gentlemen were talking, I got onto Amazon.com, Amazon.com, and I typed in Mein Kampf. And did you know that I yeah. can get Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler instantly over Kindle, just for the for the low price of ten dollars and ninety nine cents. Whereas, I mean. Other books, all other books, whether if it, LGBTQ issues or whatever, has been censored, but yet they're anti-Nazi. But yet, in multiple places, I can get Hitler's book. In other words, you could get the book that eventually launched the book burnings in Nazi Germany. Yep, and that's ironic. And and by, Bob and I just did a show last night. Uh, I was on his show, and we talked about some of these things. And and that quote that Goebel used was actually from Mein Kampf. Hitler said that. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it really, I mean, is this, Dr. Piper, is this projection, this, this idea that, you know, we want, to, we want to accuse others of the very thing that we're guilty of in order to, to hide doing the very thing that we're guilty of? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing, um, uh, you know, when you get into the, the topic of, you know, Nazis and so forth. You, and I'm personally, I'm, I'm reading some, I'm reading Eric Metaxas's great book on Bonhoeffer right now. And mm. I'm, I'm, I'm in 1933, 1934 Germany. I'm sitting here reading this. He wrote this book in 2006, by the way. I mean, he didn't just publish this in response to anything that's happened. And you just, you read through this and you go, okay, who, uh, I mean, question, you're going to call us Nazis, but are, are we in favor of censorship? Are we against religious freedom? Like these things that are, these, are we in favor of book burning? No, 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 no. But yet the Nazis were, and, but they're accusing us of those very things. Well, it's, you know, that's been the buzzword now for years. If there's something you don't like, you just say it's Hitler. You know, you, you compare people to Hitler. And I've uh, read a few friends and relatives of the Riot Act when they, you know, when Trump came on the scene and they were saying he's, He's just like Hitler, and uh, but that you say that, and it kind of stirs up things, and people go, "Yeah, yeah, he's he's bad," and um, so anybody that you want to demonize, that's the first name you're going to throw out there. Is, you know, he's like Hitler, and and I want to get, and this is one thing I saw. Then I want to I want to jump into a Todd Starnes article that I came across today. Actually, I sent it out in our text group, and. Uh, Dr. Piper has a very interesting story, <laughs> a personal encounter with uh, President Trump himself on this very issue. But I want to mention one more thing before we jump to that, and that this is from the Western Journal. Uh, Twitter decides Rittenhouse is guilty, bans people for saying he is innocent. I encourage you to check it out, but uh, and I'll just share one example. A guy literally posted, this is all he posted, Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong, okay? And then he gets uh, he gets banned, and or Twitter basically says this violates our. The tweet was deleted because it violates our rules against glorifying violence. Uh, 
All right, gentlemen, there's some red meat. Go. <laughs> oh, as if it wasn't violence that caused the young man to go out there with a rifle in the first place to try to help out. As if we don't have on video exactly what happened. Of course, he's guilty in the sense that the media decided he was guilty before they even had the trial. Yeah. And we did have, I don't remember if it was a BLM activist or an Antifa, I think it was a BLM, has gone on Twitter. I read this tweet, and he's made it very clear that the jury is in trouble and they're coming after them uh, if they give a verdict that you know a lot of lawyers are saying oh there's no way based on the evidence that this guy isn't going to get acquitted maybe they'll give him a lesser charge for carrying the firearm but they're not going to accuse him of murder well i hope that happens and god willing that will be the outcome but i'm not assuming the jury's going to make that decision because these days people are operating out of Fear. And of course, yeah, we have our yeah. President Biden coming out and calling the guy a white supremacist. That the men he's guilty of shooting, all three of them, two of them killed, are white. It, it's absolutely insane. But I'm not surprised by any of this. Well, you know, the, the lieutenant uh, governor elect of Virginia is a white supremacist, isn't she? That's what I was wearing elder. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you could you can be black and still be a white. Well, is that any surprise? If they can tell us that a man yeah. is a woman, of course they can tell us a black woman is really white. It doesn't matter. Anybody who disagrees with them is going to be called a white supremacist or Hitler or whatever. So we're back to the thing, uh, the theme of the attack on truth, and we are in a postmodern world. I think we're in a post postmodern world, but uh, there there isn't really absolute truth on any level uh, outside of hardcore Christians who still believe that there are things that are true. Um, you can There's see a whole bunch of professing Christians that have trouble saying things are true also today. Well, I, I know. Uh, that's why I, I, I kind of qualified that statement. And, and uh, um, I think it's a, a core problem in our society because you have nowhere to go. What, what's your measurement? What standard do you have? How, you know, uh, how do you determine uh, right and wrong, uh, anything, uh, any morality? Uh, you can't if, if you're just going to say, well, truth is relative and it doesn't, uh, doesn't always apply. And so we're, we're, going to, we're not going to accept that. If you say something is true, we can um, just delete that. So we don't believe it, so it's not true. Well, and, you know, one thing that would be helpful is if we looked at the facts objectively. And Dr. Piper, before the show, yeah. you were talking about an, an article that you came across. I believe it was you said it was on The Blaze. Uh, something, uh, someone in the Young Turks had a, had a change of heart about the Rittenhouse trial? Yeah, I, I may mispronounce her last name, and I don't follow her routinely. I just, I read this article yesterday in The Blaze. Uh, I believe her name is Anna Kasparian. Um, by her appearance, I'd say she's a millennial. And she is actually part of the talking head community, if you will, of the Young Turks. So she's radical left. She was on the bandwagon against uh, Rittenhouse. She was perpetuating the story that he pursued, what was the other guy's name? The guy he killed? Um, that Rittenhouse was the pursuer. And that he pursued this guy 
to the point of shooting him. However, all of the videos, all of the facts, all of the empirical data, all of the science, if you want to be pro-science, let's follow the data here, folks. <laughs> all of the evidence says the exact opposite. If you watch the video objectively, which is what science is about, right? Pursuing objective facts. If you look at the objective facts of the case, it's the exact opposite. That Rittenhouse was pursued and ultimately was overtaken and he turned around and shot in self-defense. Now, this Anna Kasparian woman actually came on her program this past week and said, I was wrong. Hmm. I have been, uh, why it took her this long to come to this conclusion, I don't know. But finally, she watched the video. She watched it with an open mind, like conservatives would do, and used to be classical liberals would do the same because they were interested in freedom and liberty and pursuing the truth. She, for whatever reason, had a fit of sobriety, intellectual sobriety, and she actually looked at the facts. And she went on her show and did a 180 and actually confessed. I'm going to use a Christian word here. She confessed that she was wrong. She apologized, and she concluded her show by saying this details matter amen sister details do matter facts matter truth matters because that's the way you can have a civil society and a free people that's the way you 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 actually do get justice is paying attention to the details so that's a good story i guess that you've got somebody on the radical left who maybe is waking up to what you see a lot of others that fancy themselves themselves left of center doing right now dave rubin um adam carolla bill maher uh, yeah. Van Jones. Van Jones has come out critical of cancel culture. Now, these guys still have a lot of issues I disagree with. I've been on the Dave Rubin show. I disagree with Dave Rubin on a lot, but he was open-minded and he wanted something that I think is very important. He wanted freedom. Uh -huh. If you're interested in freedom and you can have a discussion about how you get it, and frankly, you get it in the words of Christ, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you can have that conversation with Dave Rubin, it's a fascinating conversation. So maybe this is God throwing us a bone, guys, that the gospel actually does work. And that if you can discuss truth with even a Dave Rubin and Adam Carolla and Anna Kasparian or even a Bill Maher, that yeah. the light bulbs still might go on. Yeah, because people that are classically liberal, and I think that would be true of Bill Maher and Ruben. I know Ruben is gay, and I know that Bill Maher disagrees with me, and he's an atheist. But they are more of the classical liberal. But the Marxists, people call them liberals. I'll call them Marxists that are trying to take over our country. They don't care about truth. Truth gets in the way, and a lot of times people make the assumption that those on the left are just stupid. And they don't really know what's going on. They don't understand the facts. Well, they're trying to treat the populace as if it's stupid. And the media is feeding a lot of talking points that is dumbing it down for everybody. But the ones in charge, the ones disseminating this information, they know all this. They, they know Trump isn't a racist. They know this guy, is, this kid is innocent. They know this and the facts are getting in the way. So it's not just that people don't know the facts. It's that pure evil is going on. But yeah, thank you for an Adam Carolla who will team up with a Dennis Prager, at least on the issue of censorship. God bless them. And I, I don't know, I'm encouraged when I hear some of these names uh, and, and I'm familiar with some of the things. Some, some of the traditional liberals that, that we've listened to are starting to question uh, the narrative, uh, at least on some of those, particularly 
you know, censorship, uh, cancel culture, you know, guys that started out as comedians don't want to be canceled just for trying to be funny. And, um, and you can't uh, be funny anymore. You're not allowed to make fun of anything. That's well, now, Bob, I've been on your show, and that's not true. Well, it's <laughs> not you true. can make fun of it's Trump supporters. That's because we're still under the radar, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I am encouraged that there are people that are starting to, to change a little bit, even a little bit. That's encouraging to me. And um, Well, hey, I uh, the, the gym that I go to, and the people that I work out, I work out with kind of different people because I have a trainer at the gym and he trains multiple people at a time. I'm the minority ethnically. And I think we'd be surprised at how many people are on our side and are just tired of the oh. garbage, tired of the lies, tired of the mandates. Yeah. My trainer is, is black and he is not happy about everything that's going on, especially he knows how those vaccine mandates, you know, how they disproportionately affect African Americans. So it, and it's, bring them back to segregation. It's another yeah, form of yeah, segregation. It's, it's Jim Crow. Yeah. That's what I told him. I was like, it's the Jim Crow North, Jim Crow 2.0. And he absolutely, he absolutely agreed. He knows it. Huh. He sees it. And I think that there are, you know, I, th I just think there's uh, perhaps more with us been against us, right? Like that, like the Bible story. So, unless there's anything else we want to say about Rittenhouse, I'd I really want to get to Doctor Piper, Doctor Piper's uh, personal encounter with mm -hmm. Trump on yeah. this particular issue. So, I came across this uh, this piece today, ToddStarns.com. Of course, he's just a Todd Starnes is just a, a valiant uh, conservative voice, and it's this urgent meeting RNC chair to face angry conservatives today. The RNC has scheduled an urgent meeting today amid a firestorm of outrage among grassroots conservatives over RNC chairperson Rona McDaniel, sources told the Todd Starnes radio show. Pastors are mobilizing congregations across the country to speak out after McDaniel unilaterally announced the launch of, quote, RNC Pride Coalition. Okay, you can't make this <laughs> stuff up. The RNC Pride Coalition. Okay, anyway... Uh, uh, Mitt Romney's niece, right? Uh, a partnership between the RNC and Log Cabin Republicans. The announcement was made at a lavish event. Here we go, guys. Here we go. The announcement was made at a lavish event held at Mar-a-Lago. Mm -hmm. President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump in attendance. Quote, conservatives in Log Cabin don't just share our vision for a free, secure, and prosperous America. They enrich it by adding unique perspectives to our party and recruiting even more diverse candidates and supporters to join our cause. And quote, McDaniel told... But Trump didn't say that. That was McDaniel that said that, correct? That was, that was McDaniel. However, yeah, okay. it was held at Mar-a-Lago with Trump and Melania uh, in, in attendance. So this is, this is very interesting, gentlemen. I mean, we know that the whole LGBT kind of wing of the Republican Party has become more prominent in recent in recent years. Uh, we know that when uh, President Trump was asked about gay marriage, he basically said that the Supreme Court has already ruled on that and so forth. So it's 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 uh, as much as uh, you know a lot of things I like I like Trump on. Uh, uh, there there are some things that that I would disagree with him on, and so. Uh, Dr. Piper, you got to speak with Trump personally about this. Give us a little background, if you would. How did that happen? Where was it at? And uh, how did you guys have that conversation and, and what was said? 
And then finally, when is Trump going to be a guest on Crosstalk? Uh, please yeah. add that part in also. Yeah. Well, I have, I have no, I have no uh, cloud on that one. So you guys will have to work out that. <laughs> oh, he was, man. He, was on Allie, he joined Allie Stuckey on her show this week. So, hey, um, you guys better up your game here a little bit. Allie yeah, got him on. Apparently. There you go. <laughs> hey, uh, I'll make this brief. Um, the context for my answer to your question is that and some of your listeners aren't going to like this, but it, facts are the facts. At the front end of Donald Trump's candidacy during his primary run, um, I was not for him. I mean, you had Ted Cruz, you had uh, Rubio, you had, um, I hope you can't hear my dog in the background here. Oh, Forgive we can, but that. we love it, man. It's just, it's cross. My, it's a, it's yeah, a zoo yeah, here at Crosstalk. My Labrador retriever is laying at my feet, and he's snoring right now, so forgive me for that. <laughs> That's Sorry. happened to me on a previous previous podcast before, just without the snoring. And trust me, if I wake him up, it's not going to end well, so yeah. you're going to have to just endure the background. Does your Labrador think he's a poodle, and should we affirm that? Uh, I think he thinks he's human, to be clear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or is that the truth? Okay, so uh, I was not a pro-Trump guy during the primary season where he first ran for the presidency. In fact, I was Ted Cruz guy. My wife was a Rubio guy. I thought Rand Paul was uh, was very interesting choice too. And there are a variety of other people in the conversation that I thought had proven their mettle in terms of being long-term conservative uh, soldiers. And Donald Trump comes on the scene and I'm thinking, who is this guy? Uh, Donald Trump was also problematic in terms of his past moral life. You guys know that he owned casinos. He had strip clubs in his casinos. He said some very derogatory things about women, even while he was campaigning. His comments about Carly Fiorina, I think, were uh, were terrible, and um, we shouldn't be defending that stuff. You don't call women ugly. I mean, you just don't do that in public. You don't do it in private if you believe in following Christ. And also his claims that he didn't know that he had anything to confess his sins for. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? So <laughs> I had issues. And I still have issues with Donald Trump. I had a huge issue with Jerry Falwell Jr. posing in Donald Trump's office with his wife, uh, Falwell's wife, with Donald Trump. And behind them was a poster of Playboy. I'm thinking, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that I think Christian commentators should be bringing to the public's attention. And I did so. I actually... Um, was on Fox uh, News because I disagreed with Jerry Falwell Jr. and said, no, I'm not going to trump my morality by voting for a guy that does all this stuff. Okay, so now I've made all your listeners mad because they're saying, uh, well, he's a never-trumper. Never-trumper. Not, not necessarily. <laughs> I, I, I did not like Trump at first either. I was a Ben Carson fan and then Ted Cruz. I liked Carly Fiorina also. Uh, Trump grew on me after he got into office and I voted on him only because he was a roll of the dice and Hillary, we knew where she would take us. So uh, I I, Trump was a roll of the dice, but then I was very pleasantly surprised and I do like the guy now, but I don't think you're going to alienate our listeners because probably a lot of them feel the same way. And certainly yeah, a lot of I'm us sure. are. And I agree with what you said, Bob, uh, down the line. What you just said is exactly how I feel right now. I voted for the guy twice. First time, because I had to hold my nose, because I couldn't vote for Hillary. Second time, yeah. I voted for him. And I actually wrote an article during the second, uh, his second run uh, for re-election supporting him. And uh, I, I think I can say this on your show. I titled it, I don't care if he's a jackass or not. I'm still going to vote for him. <laughs> because he is. 
He's a crude, rude person, but he still defended my religious freedom. And for that, I was grateful. And I exactly, said, exactly because we're not electing Jesus Christ as president. And I, I would not vote for Trump to be the pastor of my church, but in politics, you have to make a more pragmatic choice. Okay. So to, now I need to get back. That's the context. Now back to your question. When did I meet him and why? Um, Tony Perkins called me up one night. I was actually in Michigan watching my boy play soccer, his last collegiate uh, soccer game. He was, uh, and I was watching that. Tony called me. I'm standing in Michigan. The maple trees are aflame. The sun is going down. It's 65 degrees. Iconic evening to watch my boy play soccer. And Tony says on the phone, Everett, do you want to meet with Donald Trump tomorrow? I said, Tony, I don't like the guy. Why would I want to meet with Donald Trump? This was in the primary season of his first run. He was not president yet. And um, he said, well, he's having a small group of 30, 35 conservative, evangelical, and Catholic thought leaders in Trump Tower tomorrow. Would you like to be part of the group? And I said, I don't even have a coat and tie. I'm in jeans and a sweatshirt. I'm watching soccer. And Tony got impatient with me. He said, Everett, do you want to meet with him or don't you? So I went to a men's store and bought a cheap tie and a cheap coat and <laughs> grabbed a red eye. And the next morning, I was in Trump Tower at 10 o'clock waiting for Donald Trump to come in. And I looked around the room and I quickly recognized, ah, I know why this group is here. A lot of us have written or spoken against him during this primary season. Not everybody. Eric Metaxas was there and he was always for Trump. Um, Jay Richards was there and I believe he had been for Trump quite, quite from the beginning. Um, anyway, long story short, Steve, B Steve Bannon comes in the room and says, Mr. Trump will be here in a couple minutes. He'll give you an hour and a half of his time, and then he needs to jump on a plane, fly to Florida for a campaign event. We do not have time for all 30 or 40 of you to talk, so we're going to assign five of you to do so, and you only have three minutes each. Hmm. Eric Metaxas, you just wrote your book. You ask him a question on your book. Uh, Jay Richards, you are uh, an economist. You ask him the question on the economy. Piper, you've been making a big stink about academic freedom. You ask him a question on education. Now, keep in mind, 12 hours earlier, I'm watching soccer. I don't know that I'm supposed to be here. 12 yeah. seconds earlier, I'm standing in this room minding my own business, waiting for Donald Trump to come in. I don't even know that I'm going to like the guy, and now I'm supposed to talk. So Donald Trump comes in. He works the crowd. The first thing that struck me, guys, was he wasn't plastic like a politician. It took me off guard. I thought, huh, this guy actually is listening. He's not talking. He did very little talking. He was listening a lot, which is unusual for a politician, right? We finally sit down. Metaxas asks his question. Jay Richards asks his question. And it's my turn. I've been thinking, what am I going to say? So I looked at Donald Trump. He was sitting directly across the table from me, directly, eye to eye. I looked at Donald Trump across the table. I said, Mr. Trump, my name's Everett Piper. I'm the president of a small little Christian college called Oklahoma Wesleyan University in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Just last week, I received a letter from Barack Obama's Department of Education. And it demands that I immediately start providing transgender accommodations on my campus. And I said, Mr. Trump, I will not do that. I refuse. So, Mr. Trump, should you become president of the United States, I have one request of you. Leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Let me be true to the mission of my institution. Leave me alone. And I was done. Donald Trump leaned across the table, put his elbows on it, looked me in the eye, and do you know what he said? 
well, do you have a problem if they've had the surgery? And that's all he said. I was dumbfounded. What are you talking about? Do you have a problem if they've had the surgery? You don't understand what I just said. You don't understand yeah. that the, the LGBTQIA agenda cannot coexist with religious freedom. You have no clue what I just said. You asked me if I have a problem if they've had the surgery. So, guys, it's, it's a funny story in a way, but it shows that the man does not understand this issue. Yeah. As long as they've had the, if they've had the surgery, then surely you're going to accommodate them, aren't you? I mean, that's not what my question was about. My right. question was about religious freedom, being true to my mission statement, biblical fidelity, a man being a man, a woman being a woman that God has defined all of the above. Anybody ought to have been able to figure that out. But Donald Trump's question was, do you have a problem if they've had the surgery? Now, did you offer, did you, how did you respond? Did you say anything in response? I was dumbfounded. I sat there, I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? So I missed a beat before I, before I answered. And Metaxas was sitting on my left and Richard was sitting on my right, literally. I think they were there to block and tackle. So as soon as I missed a beat and didn't say anything, they jumped in and said, oh, no, Mr. Trump, that's not what he means. And they kind of rescued him. So I didn't have to say anything. But did I think respond to their clarification. I'm sorry. Did he respond to their clarification? No. No, no he he was clueless, guys. I'm telling you, yeah. he's clueless on this issue. Now, I'm going to say something positive. For the next four years, what did Donald Trump do? He left me alone. He protected religious yeah. freedom. Yeah. He did exactly what I asked him to do. Now, does he understand it? No. At least. Not intellectually, not theologically, not ontologically. I don't think he understands it. But maybe he still has an instinct, an instinct that, well, yeah, leave that poor guy alone. And as president, he did. I'm grateful for that. But I don't think he understands no. the ontological, theological, uh, epistemological arguments that we're making in defense of the human being. And that God defines what's human, what's male, and what's female, Mr. Trump. You don't. The government doesn't. Nobody else does other than God. Yeah, and the thing is, I don't need him to understand. I need, just like you said, for him to leave us alone. If he's going to protect religious freedom, that's what our Constitution is all about, a federalist government that protects not just religious freedom, but all freedoms, all, freedom. all, all legitimate freedoms. Yeah. Yeah. And but, Bobby, that's all I want from him. Here's the thing, Bob, and I agree. And for four years, he was successful. But I ask you all this rhetorical question. Why does the LGBTQIA community hate him so much? He's very much in their camp. He believes in the log cabin Republicans. He's the first Republican candidate in the history of the United States to speak to the LGBTQ crowd in an affirming way during his candidacy. Nobody else did it. So why do they hate him? I'll tell you why they hate him. It's because they know something he doesn't, and that there can be no coexistence between mm -hmm. LGBTQIA ontology and Christian ontology at the mm -hmm. end of the day. They yeah. can't coexist. Well, and their agenda is to make it against the law to even say that we disagree with their lifestyle. As far back as the 80s, gay activists, nobody was paying attention, but gay activists as far back as the 1980s we're saying our agenda is to make people affirm our lifestyle. It's not just that they wanted the right to get married. 
I, I have a real problem with that as a Christian. But if I thought for a moment that that was all they were going to do, I wouldn't like it. I could have lived with it, but I, I never believed they were going to stop there. And they didn't stop there. Next thing you know, they're suing bakers and they're suing florists and they're suing churches. That is the problem. And that's the problem I have with the Republicans right now with the story that Ryan read. I really, it's fine if we have some log cabin Republicans who also believe in freedom and they want to vote for Trump. The problem is, is that where it's going to stop or is it going to metastasize into this agenda where the Republican Party affirms the gay lifestyle, and then that becomes a litmus test. I'm sure that's what it's going to slide to. There's always a slippery slope. If it was yeah. just this loose alliance with some people that shared our economic values of freedom and capitalistic values, fine. In a republic, you accept that. And as a Christian, we again we we love the sinner we hate the sin so i don't have a problem saying i love gay people i don't affirm your lifestyle and if you're going to vote for trump that's wonderful we all know it's not going to stop there and that's the problem and that's why this thing needs to be stopped right now yeah and just because uh, oh oh go ahead dr piper please well i'm trying not to monopolize here that's why i took a pause to see if anybody else wanted to chime in but this is a hot button issue for me because uh, the Academy, the Ivory Tower, was one of the first um, entities in our culture to crumble as the result of the LGBTQIAY. And our churches are the next entity in our culture to crumble. Um, and that's why our government and that's why our culture is a mess right now. The Academy and our churches have dropped the ball on something very critical, and that's the definition of the human being. When you start arguing, excuse me, let me back up. When you start arguing, that your identity is nothing more than the sum total of your inclinations. You have, you've lost the battle, okay? If you buy that lie, if you buy the lie of the left, of the LGBTQ, of the gay community, of gay identity, of trans identity, a lie that says that your human identity is nothing other than what you're inclined to do, then you have lost the battle. And that's what Donald Trump has conceded. That's what the log cabin Republican friends, the friends of the log cabin Republicans have conceded that that's who they are. No, it's not who they are. That's not biblical. You are not defined by your libido. You're defined by your Lord. You're not defined by your gut, your instincts, your habits, your inclinations, your passions, your drives. Animals are. You're not. You're the Omago Day. You're made in the image of God. You're not the Omago Dog. You're not made in the image of my Labrador. He's defined by his belly. I'm defined by something better because I have God's image imprinted on my heart, mind, and soul. And what the left has done, what the progressives have done, and even what some Republicans have done by conceding this identity nonsense is we've given up the, the war even before we fight the battle. We will not win this one. I've said it to the Wesleyan Church. I've said it to everyone that's willing to listen. If you give up the definition of the human being and claim that it's nothing but inclinations we've lost. And all those people that have coexistence stickers on their cars really do not believe that at the end of the day, they don't. And it's, it's a lot of the people like what you, what you're talking about. And if our churches can't stand for very basic biblical truth, 
distinction between men and women, marriage between a man and a woman, um, then, I mean, what can we stand for? If we can't stand against the culture, against, you know, by, by promoting basic reality. This is reality everybody believed in just a few years ago. If we can't do that, then, uh, I mean, God help us. I don't even know what I don't even know what to say, Doctor Piper. Well, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to try really hard to shut up on this one, because this, but this is so critical. And hey, I watched. Hey, the we had you co- on. We want you to share, please. Yeah, we do. Please. I watched the Christian College collapse over this issue because they got it wrong, and I'm watching the Holiness Church, like the Wesleyan Church, the Nazarene churches. I'm watching them collapse because they're getting this issue wrong. Here's the critical question. Here's a rhetorical question. If you're going to grant somebody's minority status on the basis of their inclinations, they now have legal minority status based on their inclinations. How can you then turn around and deny them the right to act out in accordance with that minority status you just granted them? How can you do that? You can't. Legally, they've got a legitimate point. If you just granted me legal minority status because of my sexual inclinations, how can you now deny me the legal right in every way to behave in accordance with that minority status that you just gave me? And I'm not asking just for the right to behave privately in my bedroom the way I want. No, you gave me minority status, legal minority status equal to any other minority group. And therefore, I'm going to demand the same legal recognition as everybody else. And that's what's happening. And legally and logically, they've got a legitimate point because we bought the lie of identity in the first place. And it will lead to pedophilia being justified in all the exact same ways. These days, all a man has to do is say, I think I'm 16 years old. And I think this nine-year-old over here is really 20 years old. That's all they have to do. And a lot of people don't realize that the same American Psychiatric Association that declassified homosexuality as a disorder in 73, in the 90s, declassified pedophilia. They came under a little bit of fire, not much, because the media ignored it. And they came back with this ridiculously political statement saying, well, uh, we, we want to make it very clear that we still think pedophilia is wrong. Oh, of course it's wrong, but we're just technically not going to call it an emotional disorder. But that was still enough for Mambla to march in gay pride parades. Of course, that's where we're headed. Next, it goes back to that old popular saying, when a man stops believing in God, he'll start believing in anything. Because the truth is, let's let's think about it, gentlemen. If we are here by randomness and chance and there is no God, then who is to say what is the correct order of the universe, whether we're male or female? Anything goes because nothing matters. Nothing's right. true. There's no purpose. Right. You bring God back into it, and then it, it, it's a pretty obvious question whether you're believing in the Bible or not. If there's a God, obviously he created us male and female. There's nothing more verifiable in science, something I know that you say all the time, Everett. And, and C.S. Lewis said it well. You, it, without a measuring rod outside of those things being measured, you can do no measuring. Okay? Yeah. I, I used that quote on Dave Rubin's show. I used that quote on Adam Carolla's show. If there is no measuring rod outside of those things being measured, you can't do any measuring. 
God has given us that measuring rod. It's called mm -hmm. truth with a capital T. It's called the word made flesh and dwelling among us. It's called the Bible. Jesus defines himself as an alphabet for a reason, probably, because words mean something. Words matter, and they have objective value and objective meaning. We don't go around and redefine everything all the time. You have to have a measuring rod outside of those things that, are, that you were measuring, or you can do no measuring. And that actually caught Adam Carolla's attention and Dave Rubin's attention because they recognize that we're going to hell in a handbasket because we've lost the measuring rod of morality and meaning. I remember way back in the 70s, I heard Francis Schaeffer speak, and it really challenged me and triggered some things. And the notion that if, if we don't say no to abortion, then euthanasia will be the next logical thing. And it sounded ludicrous back then. People say, no, that'll never happen. Well, you know, we can see that, that ball rolling. And then the same thing that Bob just said, um, if we say that someone can uh, identify as being gay and that that's their preference, that's their natural uh, tendency or whatever, however they want to uh, identify that, then what's to stop a pedophile from using the same logic. And I remember saying those things in, in, in the 80s and people laughed. Then they said, no, that's crazy. That'll never happen. But we see the things happening and some of the things are happening faster than I ever thought they would. Um, yeah, well, I and, mean, when uh, you see statements like, you know, pedophiles are people too. Okay, really? I mean, Adolf Hitler was a person and your point? Like, what's your point? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, pedophiles yeah. are humans. Okay, and so that makes whatever they do okay? Or we should just be empathetic. We gotta have empathy. Now, on one hand, I don't disagree with that. If there's, if I, I do feel bad for people who have those horrific inclinations, but on the, uh, and especially for those who have those inclinations and want to come out of it. Okay, and I think we should have great empathy, like great sympathy for those people. But on, but on the other hand, I'm so the, pedophilia destroys people for life. Yeah, for life, it yeah. destroys their lives. They're never the same after that. And I and I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe He can heal anybody who's a victim of pedophilia or anything and make them whole again. I'm just telling you that is a crime against humanity, Doctor Piper. Sin destroys people for life. There you go. That's right. Pedophilia homosexuality, heterosexual sin, selfishness, covetousness, jealousy, vengeance. Pick your sin. We've all got them. And if we don't confess those sins, our lives are destroyed. That's right. And that is the message that is lost when the evangelical community starts embracing this identity argument. As if, well, that's who they are, so treat it with delicacy. Because don't tell them that they need to confess that because that's an endemic sin. At that point in time, we forfeited the gospel message for the sake of political correctness. And it is, it is not loving to, be, to tell people that. In fact, it's the antithesis of love. It's enablement to tell me that because I am inclined to be a cheater, which maybe I am. I would love to cheat on every exam. I would love to look over your shoulder if you've studied more for the test than I have. I don't have to do the work if I can just copy your answers. I'm inclined to be a cheater. Therefore, my identity is a cheater. And I want you to celebrate and affirm the fact that I'm a cheater. 
That's an asinine statement, and it's absurd, and you all know that. But it's no different right. than saying the exact same thing with regard to other appetites and inclinations, especially those that are, uh, that are sexual in nature. But we've taken sex off of, the, off of the table as if it's got to be treated with kit gloves. But we still want to talk about murder, and we want to talk about injustice, and we want to talk about racism. Well, what if I'm inclined to be a racist? That's my identity. Are you going to affirm that? The whole argument breaks down. But the church has dropped the ball on this when yeah. it comes to yeah. sexuality. Yeah, and just right. to clarify to our audience, obviously we're not advocating that all sin be made against the law in America because all of us would be in jail. And since we started talking about the LGBTQ community, I'm not lobbying to lock up gay people. So please, nobody out there misquote me. Obviously, pedophilia should be against the law because that is destroying the lives of children. There are different kinds of sin. That is a destructive sin. Homosexuality, I believe, is destructive too in another way. But I don't, sometimes people conflate discussions about is it a sin? Should it be called a sin? And should it be made against the law? We're not trying to turn America into a theocracy. We know we're a republic. There are some sins like murder that have to be against the law. Pedophilia, which I think we could argue is worse than murder, should be against the law. But all sins, including pedophilia and murder, are forgiven in Christ. So we do need to compartmentalize all these things, especially when we're having a semi-religious uh, political discussion. That's well, well stated, and I agree with what you just said, Bob. In fact, I may have said it on your show once. I can't remember. Um, if, if you, it, it, it really irritates me that uh, the LGBTQ community has successfully uh, positioned themselves as accusing us of wanting to intrude into their privacy and intrude into their bedroom. And I have responded and said, I don't want to be in your bedroom. And you're the one that's opening up the door and forcing me to stand there and applaud. Shut the stupid door and I wouldn't know. So I'm not the one who's compromising the privacy yeah. here. You are, not you guys, rhetorically speaking, the LGBTQ advocate is the one opening the door and telling me what you want to do sexually. I don't want to know. So back to your point, Bob, there are some things that I think are wrong that don't necessarily have to be illegal. There are other things where a person's body is compromised because of the violence or the aggression of another individual that's taking advantage of them. I think that should be illegal. Now, on the LGBTQ argument, um, I, just, I, I don't want to know. Stop telling me about it all the time, and it won't be a public issue. Which is what they originally claimed. They were saying, what we do in the bedroom is our own business. And I remember you did say that on my radio show. You said, then stop bringing me into your bedroom. It was brilliantly said because it was so uh, just uh, simplistic, but obvious. Probably was making making the obvious obvious. obvious. Yeah. <laughs> we love making the obvious obvious around that's here. Bob, that's one of Bob's things. Um, you know, I haven't said a lot tonight uh, because I and, and uh, I've really enjoyed uh, our guest tonight. I, um, I've become a fan. I have to tell you, that. and I, I love the thing. We, we are honored to have. The, I know I wasn't here originally to introduce him, which I regret. We are honored to have Everett Piper here. He's on yeah, a absolutely. very short. It's so honored you forgot about the show, Bob. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> no, I. Uh, I've just really enjoyed this. And Dr. Piper, I, I've agreed with so much, uh, you know, the things that you said, I really have loved that. Uh, I would like to get on one of my hobby horses, uh, 
while I've got a minute. And, and that is that, you know, the apostle says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. And I come back to that all the time. Where, you know, I will vote. I've been voting since I was 18, and I've voted in every election. Uh, I speak out. Where I'm on the radio show, the podcast. Uh, I will do everything to use my voice. Uh, to lobby for the truth and for righteousness and, and godliness and these things. But the reality is we fight a spiritual battle and there has to be prayer. There has to be a movement of people praying, people repenting. The church, you know, you, you, you're, you're talking about the church dropping the ball, and I agree with you completely, and the church needs to repent, the church needs to repent. You know, it says, I just read it uh, the other day, um, that judgment begins in the house of God. Peter said that in, in, in his letter. And, and uh, the church needs to repent of its sins and, and get our hearts right. And we need to pray like our lives and this world depend on it. Uh, and I, I believe that with all my heart. And I think we have to fight the spiritual battle along with the, the social and political things that we're doing, uh, those things are absolutely necessary. But if we do that and leave out spiritual warfare and prayer and uh, that scary place of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the enemy, um, then we will lose. And and uh, so I just wanted to get that off my chest. I do every time we have one of these meetings. I know. Well, One, there, go, there, there you go again, Jim. Jim <laughs> just gets smaller and smaller every time he comes on the radio because he keeps getting things off his chest. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The problem is I can't get anything off my belly, and that, that isn't shrinking. So <laughs> more, more crunches. No, I mean, that's absolutely right, Dr. Piper. I don't know if you want to re respond to that at all, but I, I know that as a Christian, Bible believing Christian, you believe that also that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And, uh, I don't know if you want to speak to the the spiritual nature of the battle at all. Well, and I want you to know I'm not I'm I'm wrestling right now with flesh and blood. Uh, again, my Labrador is getting restless, so I'm trying to keep him calm down. So I'm, I'm happy to I'm, have him on the If you if you sense that I'm doing something off screen here, it's because I'm patting him on the back, trying to keep him from growling at me. Um, so um, often when I'm on a show, uh, because I'm so I don't know. I guess my spiritual gift is agitation. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I also have learned that the body of Christ must have an elbow because I think I'm it. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't want to come across as a, a fatalist here in the negative sense. Um, what's the end of the story? I, I think the end of the story is we win. In fact, mm -hmm. I know the story as we went, because I've read the end of the book. Mm -hmm. And I also trust Jesus. And if Jesus said it, you can take it to the bank. Well, what is his promise to us, his church, the body of Christ? He promised us the gates of hell will not prevail against us. It is a spiritual warfare, and it's ugly. And uh, so a lot of the stuff we're dealing with today is inexplicable. It makes no sense. If, if I would have come on your show five, ten years ago and said, hey, guys, this is coming, you would have thought this guy's a crackpot. Right. He's got a tinfoil hat on. He's nuts. But here we are. Here we are. It makes no logical sense that we're here, that we're willing to give up the freedom of the United States of America for Marxism and communism. And we're on the cusp of doing that. 
But in the midst of all of this, I think of what our common friend Jim Garlow told me once on, um, on a private telephone conversation um, while we were talking about the mess that our world is in. LGBTQIA, SJW, BLM, CRT, the mess that our world is in. Jim interrupted me in his Garlow-esque fashion with perfect enunciation as only Jim Garlow can do. And he said, but what a wonderful time to be alive. Yeah. That, that'll preach. It is a wonderful time to be alive for, for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. um, what, God, what others intend for evil, God will redeem for good. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. But then let's go back to the biggie here. The big message is Jesus and his promise and that the gates of hell will not win. We win. And I, I do think that needs to be the take home after we have these types of conversations. And then the strategy of the battle. I also think we need to understand that it's not about our politicians repenting for God to put his grace back on America. It is about many of our evangelical pastors repenting. And yeah. I freely admit I'm an evangelical full-time ministry. I'm guilty of a lot of sins, but we need to repent them of them. We need to confess them and we must not be compromising. And we, we you know, we're all going to struggle with sin the rest of our lives, but we need to at least not commit the sin of claiming that the Bible doesn't really say what it says, that Romans 1 doesn't really say what it says. Yeah. We start compromising the word of God, we're putting words in God's mouth. And that's what the Bible calls false prophecy. That's what yeah. the Bible calls spirit of Antichrist. Yeah. We all struggle with things, but we've got to at least say, whatever I struggle with, I defend the Bible as the word of God every single word. There may be some passages that are sometimes difficult to understand. I've often said Revelation looks like it was written by somebody who was on mushrooms. But most of the Bible is very clear. And when it's clear, we defend it. And we don't try to pretend that words don't really mean what they say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Well, I, th I think you guys uh, wrapped, the, wrapped this crosstalk up exceptionally well. We're... Uh, pushing over an hour here, so I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Dr. Piper, I uh, just can't say enough. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, there, there's, there's, the <laughs> there's Chip. <laughs> hey, <yeah>. Chip. <laughs> Glad to have him with us. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're ending off with a, a little bit. Of, we uh, love uh, the Labrador. I'll send the Labrador to Washington. He'll do a much better job than those bozos okay. who are there oh, right okay. now. <laughs> True. <laughs> See, we're ending off the show a, a little lighter with some some levity, levity here. It's funny we we started off the show joking around like crazy, then we got real intense. And now there's your title, Labrador yeah. Levity. There's La the title, Labrador for Levity. Oh, they, oh, what oh, would oh. I do without uh, Bob's brilliant alliteration? But uh, but Doctor <laughs> Doctor Everett Piper, uh, thank you so much for for coming on Crosstalk. Yeah. It was a, just an yeah. absolute pleasure. Well, awesome. I'm, yeah, and forgive me for uh, dominating so much. I shouldn't have done that. I think that we, was the plan. We invited you on for the purpose <laughs> yeah. of dominating. Yeah. Whenever we were talking, we were talking too much because this was meant to be your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's how that's how we roll. When there's when there's a guest on, we uh, yeah. we, we give the guests as much speaking time as possible, and uh, and 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 it was brilliant. So I'm going to put your social media in the show notes. Going to put your website in the show notes, 
And uh, any, anything else you'd like me to share in the show notes, please let me know. Also, you have a podcast. The truck stop. Yeah, the truck stop. <laughs> yeah. You weren't here for that, Bob. But um, I'm looking uh, forward to tomorrow listening to all the stuff I missed. Yes, I know. You get a little, you get a little show. And all the own, things Bob. you were saying about me behind my back that I can now go and listen to because oh, I wasn't well, here well, on time. Well, here's the good thing, Bob. I have editing power now that <laughs> I know the right. that I can, I can I'll can have go to ahead. use my imagination. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we, I, I was quizzing Dr. Piper on the cleanliness of uh, truck stops in northeastern Oklahoma. But yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. You just never know what's going to happen here on Crosstalk. It's That's just right. wild and crazy. So, uh, so Bob, thank you also. Jim, thank you also for joining us. And, of course, you Dr. Bet. Everett Piper, you're welcome back on anytime. Just just let us know. So, well, guys. Uh, oh, and I wanted to mention WashingtonTimes.com. Uh, you want to mention your podcast real quick, Dr. Piper? Yeah, sure. I, I do a daily radio show in a station here in Okmulgee. Oklahoma. It's a drive time talk radio. Um, but I upload that as a podcast immediately after the radio broadcast and it's titled the rebellion. And you can find that on my website, dreverpiper.com. It's my podcast. Again, it's titled the rebellion and it's a daily, uh, excuse me, a daily one half hour show. Awesome. Okay. I, <laughs> that, that's wonderful. I, well, I also saw WashingtonTimes.com. You were like front and center at the top, your podcast being advertised. I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. And guys, we just, uh, I don't know if y'all saw this or not, but we were having a, an intruder into our Zoom meeting. Did y'all see that? Uh, it looked like some spammers were trying to get into our Zoom meeting. Called Are you serious? Yeah, I'm, really? ser- I'm serious. I just went, I had to, I had to delete them. Uh, they were, I guess maybe y'all didn't see. Yeah, th- yeah. Th- hope they at least heard the gospel while they were on. Well, well I, they were never on. I, 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 you know oh, who okay. it was? It was Garlo. He never <laughs> likes to be <laughs> Well, if, if Garlo's name is Missy and Xana, then uh, <clears throat> he changed his name. So I was like, you know, I pro- I'm like, well, first I had to process what was going on there. Then I'm like, I better remove this before this gets really bad. I mean, uh, unusual things can happen on Crosstalk, but whatever that was, Ain't happening. I think it was Garlo. It was Garlo. Uh, yes. He never does. Yeah. Every time I get the microphone, he steals it from me. It was Garlo. He just wanted to make sure that his great to be alive quote was done accurately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank thank you guys so much for joining us for today's episode of Crosstalk. Visit cgmradio.com. Make sure to subscribe to the Bob Siegel Show, to Since You Asked, to World News Brief. And like I said, all of Dr. Piper's information will be in the show notes of this podcast. You can go to drdreverettpiper.com. God bless. We'll see you next time.